thanks to viewers like you and sassygamers.com. Bar Rock Cafe can exist, I guess. So, like, you can find links to Sassy Gamers, our Patreon, and social media stuff in the show notes. Just click. Thanks. Previously on Bar Rock Cafe, after starting the obelisk for hours, the party was disturbed by the arrival of freakish goo monsters known as gibbering mouthers. No sooner did they fight off the mouthers, Saren the traitor arrived. What does Saren have to say? Find out today on Bard Rock Cafe. And welcome back, everybody, to episode 25 of Bard Rock Cafe. Last time, as the party, with their new ally, Nadir, entered the Bard Rock Cafe basement, uh, ended up getting ambushed by some gibbering mouthers, and then, right as they were at the cusp of victory, a new challenger approached, Saren. He cast a disintegration ray on the last remaining one, then said there was chaos, and he sensed it, and he came to help. Let's go ahead and dive right in. The person you see in here has kind of threadbare clothing on. He has a set of broken shackles on his wrists, kind of pale, almost jaundiced-looking skin, and oily blonde hair that comes down to just past his shoulders. He has bright green eyes. And he is looking around at everything, at just the ooze and the mess and muck and all of you, the obelisk, and there's just a lot happening that he's taking in all at once. And as he's taking it in, we all realize he just cast two spells in front of the obelisk. Can I roll Arcana to see if I knew what Disintegrate was? I mean, I'm gonna guess I knew it went kapow, but do I know why it went kablooey? Sure, roll Arcana. And then we'll get to the rolls. Okay, so an 11 plus 7 for a whopping 18. That's plenty. So you would know this is the spell Disintegrate. It is a 6th level spell. It is very powerful, and if it kills you, you just turn to dust. So. Rock. You're sitting here, and... Almost as a conditioned response, you're waiting for something wild magic to happen around the obelisk. Nothing seems to happen. Uh-huh. Can I roll a counter to see if I know why? Sure. That is a two. And I have plus, doesn't matter to Arcana, plus two. You have a four? Yep, I have a four. Best you can tell... Wild magic doesn't always proc, or sometimes it procs and you don't get to see the effect of it immediately. You're not sure. Maybe he's got bubbles. It's possible. Alright, so Brock knows Saren by name because of the town criers have been saying this guy is on the loose for a while, and he just showed up with like what Brock knows to be a, le- a member of another major gang in the city, so... Brock, in the mid-corner of his eye, immediately looks to the Magister and, using his telepathy, says, I think that's Saren the traitor. Run to get help. We'll keep him busy. In telepathy. You're saying that to the Magister that's... Yep. I'm telling the Magister, we will hold back Saren the traitor. You go get more guards. You know, Saren introduced himself. The Magister knows who this is, right? Because there are wanted posters with his face plastered on them, right? So, the Magister begins to cast a spell, and then you see Saren snap his fingers and the spell fails. 
kind of looks over and he says, Farrell, do me a favor and deal with that one. And Farrell says, sure thing, be happy to. Farrell pulls out a very, very large, jagged, like, kind of like a shark tooth great axe. Starts walking over that way. Epi's just going to look over and say, Well, if you want to help keep the chaos down a little, maybe don't kill that one just yet. I know he's panicking a little bit, but admittedly, you just obliterated something off the face of Earth, so panic seems a normal response. I think we can cut him a little slack. Why are you siding with the Magister? I really don't want to watch somebody get hacked to death with whatever the hell that excuse for an axe is. I see. Do you know him? Not personally. Has he helped you in any way? Uh, he was helping us fight those monsters until you showed up. I see. So was I. Uh, in, I, to be clear, we had that situation handled. There was one of those left and you killed it when it had... If I was going to assign a number between 1 and 30 to it, I would say it had like 2 left. And in fairness, he blew a, a sixth level spell slot on that one. That took a lot of juice. Maybe we don't want to piss off the guy who can do that. I'm just saying, like, maybe before we all start throwing blades and spells around, why don't we just have a nice, calm conversation, everybody? Now that I'd be interested in. That sounds reasonable. Beryl, just knock him out. You see Beryl kind of look just visibly just frustrated at that command. Is that acceptable to all of you? Yeah, that'll be fine. See you in the morning, bud. I kind of, you know, wave to the Magister. Uh, Brock gives... Brock, when he initiated the telepathy, gave the Magister the ability to communicate with him, and Brock's like, can you just roll with that? So the Magister is taking a very quick assessment of his situation and just throws his hands up. He says, Alright, alright, I surrender. I won't fight. Let's just talk. And Beryl is like towering over this guy, right? Beryl's looking at the Magister, kind of gets this snarl on his face and says, Saren, oh, let him live for the minute. So long as he doesn't do anything sketchy, he's fine. We can talk. So, you have an obelisk in your basement. Yeah, I noticed. Well. What's it to you, punk? It's giving off a lot of real chaotic energy. <laughs> it got my attention. Yeah, and the rest of the town. We had this one coughing up pink bubbles there for a little bit. Quite as he's been all year. Which, at this point, Saren does look at the rain cloud that is currently above Brock's head. Is that one of the... That's the obelisk as well? Oh no, that's my pet rain cloud, Charlie. Right. Well... He's a real wet blanket. Now this this is just a Tuesday for me. This happened yesterday, too. It's actually the first time it's repeated. So. Beryl tells me that you all were part of the reason he was able to get out of prison without any hindrance. He also says you're pretty skilled. Especially you, big guy. And he points over at Armbar. Any chance you're looking for work? What kind of work are you thinking? Wealth redistribution. 
Well, I only do what my boss tells me to do. And that's in there. And I point to Brock. I respect that as an individual. So what do you say, Brock? Well, why don't you tell me more about how this would work? Well, we're going to break into a noble's mansion. We're going to steal all the healing potions they're hiding. And we're going to give it to the temple. You think I can sneak into a mansion? Were you nuts? So I don't know if you heard about a slight incident with like a monkey's paw or any of the reasons we know Beryl. Yeah, stealth is the opposite of what we can do right now. Because every time we try doing anything sneaky, this happens and Brock just points over his head. Or this happens. And I pick up Minibar. So at this, both Beryl and Saren are both just like, they, they have that huh look on their face, right? What's stopping you guys? Sorry, go ahead. What's stopping you guys from doing this work? Seems like it's up your kind of alley, criminal. Nothing. But I figured since you also were in prison that day, you might want to help out. Depends on the noble. You can say that we're on a run from the law. Wait, you guys were in prison? Uh, shh. Very briefly. It's okay. It's a long story that I was hoping would not get any additional chapters. It's alright, buddy, my pal. You don't have to worry about a thing. You're cool with us. Alright. Yeah, don't worry about it. We made parole the same day. No, no more questions. <laughs> yeah, Brock waves his hand like, you don't want to know anything further about us going to prison and rolls persuasion. Can I roll persuasion? Yeah, you can roll persuasion. <laughs> That's a two, rounded up to ten because I have part college eloquence. So plus eight is eighteen. That's so cheap. <laughs> you literally rolled a two. <laughs> I rolled a two, but because I have college eloquence, it's a ten. That's so That's dumb. what the college degree is for. <laughs> yep, Brock studied in persuading people. Oh my god, you're a communications major. Oh, great. Yep. <laughs> so, the deer, you can either roll... No. I don't even know. <laughs> or you can just decide how influenced you are by that roll. I'm not going to force you into something because it's your character. Alright, alright. I. Everyone's got stuff that happened. It's, it's cool. We all got baggage, alright? Yeah. I got a son now. Who thought that Armbar would be a father? I mean, I sort of do too, question mark? And Brock points at Muck. <laughs> Poor sad Muck. The family Muck's resemblance the is definitely present. Muck's he just gives corner. you like boss? Go over there and pet him. I already pet him, and I had to press to digitize my hand. We're done petting him for today. All right, all right, down. Anyway, Mr. Saren, uh, so we have obvious concerns about going into any sort of uh, illicit work. Just It really does not suit our skill set at the moment. But we have no quarrel with you. I do have one question, though. Yes. Which noble house? Does it matter? In two specific instances, yes. She asked the question. It must have mattered to someone. Which two are you worried about? 
Uh, I'm actually of the house song. I, I'm just owned by my family, but I'd much rather not rob my family. Now see, I was seeing song as possibly one we could get into, because you're bait. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm still on relatively good terms with my brother. I don't want to rob his inheritance. Well, don't take your brother's things. Just take your dad's things. My dad's things are going to someday be my brother's things, Epi. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, I can say safely that House Song is not the one we're hitting this time. Yeah, but you can see the problem, though, because House Song also provides many of the town's guards. I do. So you can see why I have a conflict of interest in that in being involved in that kind of activity. I would like to reiterate, and Brock, love you to death, but you would make excellent bait in this situation. Hostage, even. Have you ever been a hostage? I feel like maybe we could swing that one a little bit better. I, you can tell, Epi, that I'm the one of us that studied negotiation because you don't usually open with, kidnap him, please. Well, that went that short. So which noble family is hoarding all of the health potions that we just got back? Well, all of them to some degree. That's not surprising. You don't think a few goblins outside of the North Ward managed to stop trade that much? No, the nobility just made sure they were taken care of. And I'd like to see to it that they're not anymore. Well, we do have one person who is at least somewhat skilled in getting into places that are a little harder to get into. Uh, Rook. Rook is up top listening carefully. As carefully as she can, but she's also very intrigued by this beautiful and terrifying creature that she's got her eye on. Yeah, there's just a displacer beast having this conversation with us. <laughs> yeah, the displacer beast is sitting very well behaved right where it ended last time. And Rook is kind of sitting like on the edge, like she's sitting on the edge with her uh, legs kind of hanging over the side. And she's so intrigued by this beast, she's trying not to, like, lose track of the conversation she's listening over. But damn, that thing is so cool that, you know, she got a, she, she can't help but kind of look at it sitting there regally. And she's kind of amazed that it hasn't really, like, continued attacking. Is there a way for me to read its expression, or is that, like, too much to ask? That would be animal handling, which you oh, historically, God. you've done well with. So, yep. <laughs> is, it's probably Rook's best roll. Quote unquote. Well, let me get on roll twenty. I can, I'll try. This is exactly what you built your character for. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> try wrangling with your rope. Oh God. No, I'm limiting myself to looking with eyes. And a natural twenty. What? I'm not even joking. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking right at it. <laughs> Holy cow. What is that? Let's go. Do? You built your character for this. <laughs> Rook is actually explicitly, like, when she was a kid, she had books about displacer beasts. Like, she, she was into the cool mythical beasts. So, before you decided to take up a life of adventuring as a rogue, you were actually a 20th level ranger. You just set that aside. <laughs> 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 oh man okay so what would you like to know with your nat 20 what is it paying attention to um what is its mood 
those two things I'd like to know. Okay. So you're looking at this displacer beast. Mm-hmm. It is very alert because there was just combat going on, mm-hmm. and there are two strangers downstairs. Uh, the beast is keeping a watchful eye on Saren and on mm-hmm. Beryl. Um, it does seem like its hackles are up, but it's not in a ready-to-strike pose, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does kind of make sense. Like, it's is it nervous about those two, or it's just like watching them? I'll say because you got a nat 20, I'll go ahead and give you this. Uh, the Displacer Beast seems to be reading the the mood of you, Brock, Armbar, and Epi, and the deer. And based on how you are acting towards Saren and Beryl, it is on guard. Okay, that's really interesting. Okay, cool, cool. I am extremely glad of that right now. Rook is very happy about that too. Um, but now Rook knows that like she's being addressed and she's sad, but she knows she has to join the conversation. So um, I'm gonna have to go back down into the hole. Honestly, being involved in the social encounter is the worst thing that could happen for Rook this episode. Seriously? <laughs> Can I shout from above? Am I, like, close enough to do that? I mean, without... there's a gigantic hole in the floor, yeah. You're just, like, Okay, over... I just don't know how high I am. How high I am. I mean, I just don't know the height. <laughs> Only you would know that, Kanisha. <laughs> I know, I'm dying. Rook doesn't actually uh... shout. She just speaks in, like, really low. Like, so no one can hear her. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Speak up. <laughs> No, I'll just I'll just respond in a kind of loud voice to Effie and say, "Yep, I trust myself going alone." Actually, I kind of look up, look at Saren, kind of make that uh uh hand motion. But wait a minute, guys! Why are we trusting this guy all of a sudden? He just shows up, takes out the last enemy, and all of a sudden we're just goody goody with them. What gives? In fairness, I really didn't think you would be doing this well. But I see now that the chaos that I felt was coming from the obelisk, and not from whatever else was going on here. Clearly you had a handle on things. But why all of a sudden should we trust what you say? I don't have a compelling reason. Why do you put so much trust into us? You were in prison with one of my colleagues. And you helped him out. That's more than I normally have when choosing an associate. So that's what's in it for us, is we become an associate to you? Again, I didn't know you before now. Well, since you're into redistributing the health potions, just to make sure, since, as you said, we don't have much of a reason to trust you yet, how do we know that it's actually going to go where it's supposed to and not into some of my old clientele back down in the Dulks district? I want to make sure it actually winds up going where it's supposed to. I've been to the temples. They could use it. I agree. Would it help if I let you deliver it? Epi kind of thinks for a minute. That certainly would ease suspicions. But again... 
not the most subtle of persons. I mean, I have horns and all that. Saren points over to the shark-toothed, great axe-wielding half-orc. He's really not the most subtle either. We all have our uses. Better point. Uh, Mr. Saren, if I may ask, if we were to firmly say no, would we be able to just walk away peacefully from this situation today? You, yes. We're still on the fence about this magister. I am, after all, very wanted. I have a proposition for you. Now, hear me out here. This is going to sound a little out of left field. But how about we have a contest? If I win, then you let the magister go free. And if I lose, then we help you on this job. Saren is rolling insight on you. He did not roll well, but he is rolling insight. Okay. Well, with a five, he has no idea what you're planning, so he says, I'm interested. Let's see what you have to offer. All right, so tonight, Brock immediately breaks out into an elaborate dance number. Yep, and he's, like, playing his tambourine to provide a beat to dance to. He does a kick, he does a split, and then he bounces up from the ground up onto his feet again and puts a stance and says, top that. Oh, we don't think he's got the cojones, boss. Alright, I rolled I rolled a 10 plus 11 for 21. I'm going to invoke the Tides of Chaos. Okay. That is an 18 plus 11 for 29. Did you say 10 plus 11? No Tides of Chaos? No. Alright, 21 it is. So, you see a grin kind of creep across Saren's face, and he says... I really didn't see that coming, but I suppose the proprietor of somewhere called the Bard Rock Cafe. I probably should have. Alright, let's give it a shot. Can I do something while he is dancing? Sure. Alright, uh, what's, actually, before I can do anything, what's the floor made out of right here? Stone. Concrete. Oh, damn. Okay, never mind. Can't do the thing. I was 100% gonna subtle spell Mold Earth. Nice. Oh, that would have been cool. Instead, he's just going to do the wop of the floss. Oh no, he invents the floss. <laughs> Not going to lie, Justin, I, I really thought you were going to... I really thought you were going to dance, and I was going to get so excited. <laughs> Absolutely not. He... <laughs> Dear listener, when episode 2 aired and the character Saren the Traitor was mentioned by name, I said to myself, when I meet that character, I'm challenging him to a dance-off. How he doing? How's his moves? He dances very well. Not as well as Brock, but he is about a mid-19. But he does acknowledge that, while he knows what he's doing, Brock's just better. As invigorating as that was, I suppose this means we lost. We came here to offer our hand out in friendship. It seems you are not interested. A pity. But sometimes that's how it goes. To be clear, we aren't interested in being enemies either. I'd prefer to stay on neutral ground with you if possible. I understand. We haven't told you which house we're hitting. The Magister doesn't know anything, except that we are attacking a noble house. We are going to leave. Hey, before he leaves, Epi is just going to very quietly cast message and basically use it to whisper in Saren's ear, I'd like to see those health potions redistributed. I think a certain 
cleric of the Raven Queen may be able to stir up some public ruckus about that if knowledge got out. He pauses and then dimension doors out with barrel. No response. Fair enough. Brock approaches the magistrate and offers him a hand. Are you alright? That was Saren. And he didn't kill you because of me. I am aware. He is one of Waterdeep's most wanted. I didn't think I was going to live. Thank you. I need to go report to the Blackstaff right away. Really quick before you do. Yes? Anything Saren said about us and how we knew his consociate, what do you have to say about that? Uh, uh, well, he kind of just takes a minute. I'll put it this way. I'm really happy to be alive. We all have a history. Thank you. Am I free to go? Wasn't stopping you. Please report back to the Blackstaff and let them know. Are you good? Like, you're a little shaky right now. Do you need, like, to sit down for a second? I can make you some tea. I know about your tea. (laughs) (laughs) Epi just gives the most knowing look at Brock's. Just, Brock doesn't even need to look at him to know. (laughs) I, uh, I will be fine. But I think I don't want to be here any longer. Uh, until we next meet. Goodbye. And he just quickly makes his way out of the basement. Well. That was a close one. So do you know about that spell that he used? Um, fascinating thing. You have to be really good at magic to do it, but once a day, you can just make sure that things just that aren't existing don't anymore. That's a fun spell. And he counterspelled too. So I'm practically useless. That's someone we know now. Isn't that fascinating? And bright side, he probably doesn't want to kill us. So that's... I call that a plus for today. I have to agree on that one. I kind of look up at the Dimension Door Beast and Rook. So? What are you gonna name your new pet? I'm not sure it's mine. With a natural 20, I feel like you are sure one way or the other. It seems to be more of an ally of all of us, if I can be honest. Uh, Fairy. Fairy. Oh, you see Fairy perched up kind of on the... I say on the roof. You see Fairy perched up there because there really isn't a roof. There's just like... Two loose boards. Yeah. Fairy is perched on the remains of like the crossbar. Yes? You can come down here for a sec. Okay. Fairy comes down and perches on your shoulder. Fairy, how about you introduce yourself to our new uh, comrade over here? I want to see them interact. So Fairy sees a displacer beast. And, you know, she is your familiar. So she will do it. She doesn't seem excited about it. Okay. But she does kind of just land right in front of the displacer beast and says, Hello, I'm Fairy. And the displacer beast just looks at her. Okay. Fairy, come back. At least we know it's not going to eat you. Real quick, Fairy just zips back onto your shoulder. 
Alrighty, um, I'm gonna see if the beast is gonna follow me. I guess... I mean, wait, have you... Are you guys exiting the Bard Rock at all? I just... I just thought you were for some reason. Well, we were studying that... The obelisk when that happened. Does anyone have any idea what happened? Like, I mean, I know we technically know we a bunch of monsters appeared. Do we have any idea why? Epi just turns to new grandpa. So... You seem to have the experience that comes with age, and you've also seen this before, apparently. Any ideas? Yeah, spill it, old man! Well, <clears throat> I didn't see that exactly, and also I was blind the whole time. So, I don't know. Oh, blind, oh. You gotta the joker! <laughs> Epi takes out his book and writes, Make sure to get old man some glasses. He needs some spectacles. Some bifocals, even. Brock pulls out a piece of paper and writes, Invent bifocals on the list. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was gonna... I was going to refute that, but actually, if I'm wearing glasses that I don't need and get splashed in the face, I can just take them off to see regularly. Yes. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> Old man defense systems. Aha! These glasses were a distraction. They don't work. <laughs> My god, he was Superman the whole time. <laughs> so, resident magic expert, do you have any insight as to why that happened? I look at Epi. Epi kind of looks up from his book. He had been scribbling a couple more things in there. Do I have any insight as to what exactly <laughs> prompted that? By that you mean the appearance of all the gibbering mouthers? Yeah. Go ahead and roll Arcana. Okay, you know what? We're, we're breaking out big dice for this one again. I'm sure this will be fine. Hitto, this is your first experience with the big dice, I believe. Yeah, I keep okay, hearing about see. it. Get ready. Of Mice and Men and Monsters is a podcast which combines the art and beauty of classic literature with the fun of Dungeons and Dragons roleplay. These episodes are led by me, Kate, Dungeon Master meets High School English Teacher. We take on quests in these fascinating worlds, meeting and adventuring with the greatest literary characters of all time. It's a much more exciting way to experience literature than writing an essay. Essays don't have swords which burst into flame. A new episode of Of Mice and Men and Monsters is released every other Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. How how big is the big dice? Uh, well, it's roughly the size of the palm of my hand. Anyway, so here we go. Here we go. Seventeen. That's fine. That wasn't the big dice. I know what the big dice sounds like. It sounds like you just killed a man. <laughs> oh, sorry. Here. Like that? No, it's fine. You need to roll <laughs> oh, it on top 15. of the microphone. <laughs> No, no, no. I don't remember which episode it was, but there is definitely one where it says, Whoa. Stephanie <laughs> had a different mic that episode. It was picking up the sound differently. True. That's lame. We went and upgraded our sound equipment. You just need to get a bigger dice. Right. You know you what? Get... You are correct, sir. 
just one of those mammoth ivory die. Just... Or or just get a heavier die. Get one of those like uh, solid metal ones. Yeah, like the metal ones. Yeah, get one like a solid metal, metal one, one the size of a baseball. That feels like overkill, but sure. <laughs> yeah, let's not actually damage the furniture. Let's just anyway. So you said seventeen, Rage right? Rage against the machine. And my yeah. Um. <laughs> so my Arcana bonus is a seven. So is a seventeen total or twenty-four? I rolled a seventeen. My I didn't add gotcha. my bonus to that. My bonus to that is seven. Boom. Okay. Sick. I got a degree for this. <laughs> and you guys all went to college. Just paying off today. I got a 4.0 and be foolery. Armbar doesn't have a degree. Armbar doesn't need it. We're getting you there, buddy. <laughs> we are teaching you letter by letter. Um, excuse me, he oh, has a degree in thugonomics. <laughs> no, I think I think Armbar has like an honorary degree in engineering or some bullshit. <laughs> You're listening to that's yeah. what Tyler's actual degree is in. <laughs> I was not aware of that. He's a dirt engineer. I know, that's why it's really yeah, funny you funny. arbitrarily picked engineers. <laughs> Such a coincidence. Okay. So. Epic. Mm-hmm. What you know about... You do know that these are gibbering mouthers that you fought. But you know that they have a lot of different sources. Typically... They either come from, you know, some deep layer of the abyss, or they are spawned by sorcery gone wrong. Whenever they kill someone, or something, they consume it completely, reduce it to ooze, and then its mouth and eyes join all the rest of the mouths and eyes that are in the ooze, that are cackling and laughing and looking everywhere as you fight them. They are twisted, insane, nonsensical creatures. They are from an outer plane that is not bound by the same rules of reality. And you can't think of any possible reason why they would have just randomly appeared here. So, I don't know why they're here, but given the fact that they're from a plane of everything going just a little bit bonkers and they generally turn people to ooze which then is amalgamated into that forum that you saw there I don't know what got them here sometimes sorcery that went a little bit wrong can summon them but uh yeah let's just say gibbering mouthers are really not what we want to be facing in their basements Ever. So, Brock has two theories. The first is that this obelisk is just attracting things, like the way it attracted the old woman and the frost giants to it in his vision. Or it has something to do with the cards we drew from the deck of many things. Because some of these cards we drew appeared to have no apparent effect, but maybe they're having an effect now. And so, like, that's what two things Brock suggests as a possibility. Epi, thanks for a minute. Hey, uh, Arnbar, which card did you draw? You expect me to remember that? He didn't know what it says, Epi. He can't read. I can't read! Jeez, you gotta remind me! Well, I mean, they had pictures on them. Well, I gave it to Minibar. Wait, Epi, didn't you record what cards we drew in your book? We can just ask the DM. 
think I did. Hang on. Let me go back and look at my many notes. I'm pretty sure I would have written it down. I don't know if I didn't. I definitely didn't write it down. I didn't write mine down either. I'm I know what remember. Tyler's card did, but I don't know what card it was. And out of character, Paul suspects it's Epi's card is the one that caused that to happen. Alright, so out of character, so I don't have to dig through my notes, what was the card that Armbar drew? Armbar drew the one where an NPC of the some yeah, okay. choice by the you, DM is going to be his enemy. Yeah. So, yeah, Armbar drew the rogue card. And then Epi drew a devil card. Yep. Did I draw, like, the brain or something? You drew the idiot card. The idiot, yes. <laughs> it had to do with your brain, yes. Something to do with my brain. I got that far. So, if I had to venture a guess, Epi, the things that came from the Abyss, a plane that is full of devils, if I'm correct, might be something to do with you drawing a card with a devil on it. Epi kind of looks at the remains of the gibbering mouthers. If that's the worst that it did, I'll count myself lucky. Now, we could test whether or not it has to do with the obelisk and just sit here for several more hours. You know me, boss. Me and Minibar are always ready to rumble. Epicast, um, let's see, uh, cantrips, the message cantrip didn't trigger wild magic, right? It did not. Yeah, okay. to the best of our knowledge, cantrips do not trigger wild magic. Well, I could cast a spell, see if any other horrible creatures show up. I could rage. That's true. That's true. We could get you to rage. Wasn't he already raging? Because we were just in a fight. Well, so the rage fades the minute you don't attack something or get attacked. Okay, or... so he has extra rage he can turn on. Okay. Right. I'm like, he can't double rage. Well, not with that attitude. I don't I feel like that would just proc normal wild magic. I feel like this was something more and... Paul, the kitten, the role player is going to ask Ty about Tyler because Tyler's the one who actually used the detect magic effect and saw something. Oh, that's right. So, Armbar's the one that has information that will be helpful here. That's right. So, Armbar, get your first experience seeing what magic looked like. How was it? What'd you see? What I saw looked like bright lights with auras. It was beautiful. You'd have to see it to believe it. Happy's got a little grin on his face. You know, I've always thought the same thing. What col what colors did you see? Oh, I believe it was the bright yellow. Would I know which school of magic bright yellow is? I don't. <laughs> so, I will let you roll Arcana at advantage because... Armbar is technically helping. Okay, so that's a 9 plus 7 for a 16 on the first one, and then advantage, right? Ooh! Okay, yeah, no. Uh, the other one was a 2, so 9 plus 7 for a 16. Okay. Yeah. Not hard to gather that yellow would be divination. Epi looks at Armbar, sort of slow turns to the obelisk. Yeah, unfortunately, that definitely means it was the obelisk that did it. Unless Saren is a big fan of divination magic. At this point, what time of day is it right now? It's still morning for us, right? 
we have like a whole day to kill. Oh no, we spent hours here, didn't we? Yeah, you guys spent hours here. Um, it's still, I would say it's about noon, to be honest with you. Because you were interrupted in the middle of your session. So the only thing Brock can think of is Brock has a couple of plot threads out where he's trying to find out more, like more leads about like where we can do to travel to another plane. So Brock doesn't know what to do with the rest of our day besides wait. As a party, you do have free time. You can do whatever you want to do. Should we do something about the fact Sarah's getting ready to rob those noble houses one way or the other? Oh, actually, that'd be you wanted to get the word out about the uh, nobles hoarding potions, right? I do think that would probably be appropriate, but depending on who we tell, you're either going to get a riot or you're going to get an intervention. Well, in the immortal words of ba a band that Brock wants us into once, let's start a riot. Well, I do believe I have a certain city guard that has three friends on death's door that might be willing to listen to the divine wisdom of the Raven Queen. Didn't he want you to go somewhere and cure everybody? Yep. I can cast it. I think if I really try, I can probably get three of them back, but that's about it. It would be nice if I wasn't the only one going there, to be fair. I'm a little afraid of being um, torn to shreds when people find out I can bring people back and then find out I can only bring back three. Well, what if, you, what if we uh, make some sort of spectacle out of it, just embrace the spectacle? Like, uh, we... People have to schedule, schedule appointments to get your help, and we book them three at a time. Epi kind of thinks about it and pulls his hood a little farther down. That might not be the worst thing. I'm starting to get the impression people just know what I look like now. That's that's probably not going to be a problem, honestly. Like, who, who would notice? So, any suggestions? What is a good gossipy spot for noble people? Well, Brock has an idea of what we could do if we want to reach the nobles. Yeah, just to know if we can find gossip of who might be extremely healthy compared to everyone else right now. Maybe that would give us a clue as to where Saren's going. Alright, I, Brock wants to propose this. How about Armbar goes to protect Epi and... Rook and Brock can chase down some leads on whom Saren might be targeting. Okay. You got it, boss! What about Nadir? Nadir, where do you think your skills would be used best? Not too terribly great at, at really anything physical. All my all my experience is just in knowing things and, and research and, and that sort of thing. Now, Epi comes over and kind of tries to peek at the spellbook. What sorts of things have you know knowledge about? Uh oh, are you looking in in the book that he was writing in earlier? Uh huh. He he had closed it and kind of kicked it away during that fight. Do you just open it up to like a random page, or or what are you doing with it? I think I might skip over to it, pick it up, and bring it back to him. He goes, "Oh, this isn't this isn't a spell book. This is um, I kind of record." everything in it. Epi sort of holds up his spellbook. In fairness, I do the same thing, but it's also my spellbook. Saves a little bit on packing. 
So, what are you researching? What are you writing down? I was I was writing um I I had the obelisk show me everything that that I was doing the last time these tablets appeared. Um and kind of recording every everything that I was aware of the last time it all it all happened and and the conclusion of it all to see if later I can parse through this and find find some way to not have things get as bad as last time. Well, that's certainly appreciated. What all did you write down? What all happened the last time? Happy, he just spent like three hours writing stuff yeah. down. I think that we might want the uh, too long didn't read version of that. Yeah. Which ah. is what he gave you. <laughs> yeah, the TLDR version is uh, what Kenny said last session. Uh, okay. <laughs> Starwipe. That, that I also don't remember fully. <laughs> the short version was Kenny's going to give you advantage on history checks related to the time of troubles. Right, right. But I mean, like, the specific in, in lore things that happened. Oh, that we already went over that for two different episodes of this podcast. I don't think we need to recap it again. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sorry. Um. So anyway, fast forward again. But yes, Nadir explains the thing. Well, Nadir, I have several different leads I'm looking to track down that will probably get back to me tomorrow. Uh, but I think that uh, if you would rather uh, help Epi or help us, I think it's just up to you. Who would you rather come help? Because unless you want to stay here and study the obelisk, but I don't know if there's any more you can get from studying it right now. I am, I am tempted to just cast different magics in front of it, but I definitely don't want to do that alone. I'll go. I'll go with Epi. Yes, and if we have extra time. Then you and I can have a lot of fun casting spells and seeing what happens. I've been wanting to do that since this thing crashed in here. But it's <laughs> so nice to have another wizard. Finally, it's like the scientific method. But with magic and blowing shit up, I love it. Brock looks very annoyed that he's not considered a real spellcaster. Oh, don't worry. You have your voice books. Which you definitely can't lose and didn't study for ten hours a day, and if you lose the little booklet, you're a little bit creaked about the paddle. Don't worry, it still counts. I lost my voice box once you were there. That's true, that's true. You had lots of little bubbles coming out, it was hilarious. What do you do if you get, like, a cold? Do you, like, sneeze and then you cast cure wounds? Like, what happens there? I, I think you need the spell cure sickness. I don't think cure wounds can cure a cold. He probably uses prestidigitation like he tries to do everything. Prestidigitation is a very useful spell, Armbar. Well, I wouldn't know. You never taught it to me. Could you use prestidigitation to, like, unsoil your sinuses to cure a cold? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... No, it just, like, clears it up like a minute. <laughs> and then after you, like, you do that like, thing where, like, you blow your nose, you can breathe again for, like, another 30 seconds, and then it immediately clogs yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> I will allow you to try. For science. <laughs> Give me the common cold. Oh, <laughs> <Not> yeah. <laughs> uh, flu season at the at the Bards College must be a real event. Oh, the thing about the thing about college, especially the Bard College, is when one person gets sick, everybody gets it. If you know what I mean. <laughs> right, right. Small classroom sizes do that to everyone. Unfortunately, I do know of a good free clinic outside of town that can help you out with that. 
You know, I think I'm good. <laughs> Alright, so I think we're good to part ways. Epi has some people to undeadify, and Brock has a lead he wants to chase down. Alright. Yeah, let's go Team A! I christened our team name, eh? Uh, that's fine, we're Team 1. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, Armbar. Muck, you go with, with Brock. Don't get lost. No, Muck is going to stay here and guard the cafe. Nope, he said he wants to come with you. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm the one with the psychic link to my sentient <laughs> booger monster. Yeah, but I'm you, don't, his you eyes. don't pay enough attention to him. Where are his eyes? Don't ask. He literally Don't looks like Muck the Pokemon. It was yeah. like the picture was basically it. Like his eyes were just at the top. You don't have enough badges to train this monster. <laughs> so like, it's it's a Muck monster, right? So like, it's focused on you, but then you watch one eye just kind of like start to drift <laughs> off to the side, like physically drift to the side. <laughs> See, it's crying. <laughs> it wants to be with you. And then his armbar starts like talking really aggressively about it. Snaps like. Physically moves back to where it's supposed to be and snaps attention to armbar. No. <laughs> See, he knows. I know the feeling of of a monster that wants to be loved by its mother and her father, whatever you want to be. But you need to be there, like I am oh, a mini bar. <laughs> <laughs> I just put a hand on Brock's shoulder. Don't be an absentee parent, Brock. <laughs> oh? Brock casts his present digitation on Muck. What does that do? You monster! Accept <laughs> your child, Alia. <laughs> you savage! <laughs> Brock begins to physically melt into the floor. No. <laughs> say, does it make just one cubic foot of him disappear? Just, a, just a, a cubic chunk out of the middle. Um, <laughs> Muck smells a little less like bile and sulfur. He still right. smells just bad. Alright, we're in like the wine cellar, right? Brock goes and finds an empty wine bottle and scoops Muck up into it and corks it. <laughs> Muck is not going to fit into a wine bottle. You can get him into like a whiskey cask. Fine, a whiskey cask it is. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I have a barrel of muck. <laughs> a barrel of muck, and, a bucket for a, a boot full of egg. Right, so I give the, I strap the barrel to Armbar like, Ar Armbar, I'm trusting you to protect muck. My father will not appreciate this. Well, I can't say no to you, boss. I guess I'll lug muck around. If anything gets sketchy, just let muck, muck can help you guys. Happy thanks for a minute. Size deeply. That's a good point. Alright, fine. Just an excuse to not have him for the weekend. I know. <laughs> I'll take him to a baseball game next weekend. <laughs> promises, promises. When are you going to keep one? <laughs> I generally keep my promises. <laughs> I challenge you to name one time where Brock made you a promise he didn't keep. When he told me I'd have a job at the Bar Rock. Look at where we are now! That was good. <laughs> well, champ, I, I really don't know if even he's got a job at the Bar Rock right now. Maybe that job's just in your heart. 
and your wallet. The Bard Rock doesn't even have a job at the Bard Rock right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. This was my retirement plan at the end. You wanna go make some diamonds? Alright, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to get some diamonds. The wonderful diamonds of people who have dead family. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Alright, so we're gonna start off with Brock and Rook. Alright, so Brock is leading Rook down to into the North Ward, and it's like, okay, so I've been home by my family, but I'm still on good terms with my brother, and I think I should be able to just, like, go and talk to him, and he might have an idea of which noble families are hoarding all these potions. I think that's a great idea. Let's go. And so we make our way towards the, uh, the state of the Song family. So while we're on our way walking, I just... You know, while we're walking, I take the time to just kind of run through the noble families that I've stolen from. Do I remember anybody that fits that description? Okay. Roll. I'll say history. Okay, one second. What the heck is my history? Plus five. I rolled a four 14 total. Okay. So the thing about noble families, they all kind of run in the same circles. And they're all nobility, right? Like... In the middle of the nobility, there's people with more money and people with less money, but for everybody who's not nobility, it's just the rich people on the north side of the city. Pretty much any of them could be the ones hoarding healing supplies. You would also kind of intuit that, yeah, if one family had the healing supplies, they would probably spread it around as a favor or as like a way to gain, basically like to curry favor, to get favors in return, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Influence. Yeah. Alright, so no one in particular, but I get the pattern. Make your way to kind of the middle of the North Ward, where the Song Villa is located. Is it pretty? It is. Actually, I'll tell you what. Brock, would you like to describe the Song Villa? So, unlike Brock, who was very over-the-top and showy, the Song Villa is very conservative and staunchy. So it's like, it is like the right size and decorum uh, to be like, I'm a noble house, we have money. But it doesn't have like the extravagance of a noble house. You know, Pop Song doesn't spend money on unnecessary things. He is a miser. So there's no lush decorations. There's no statues. It's just very much like, you know, you have like busts of the different patriarchs and matriarchs of the, of the houses. You like look around. But you don't see, like, extra statues. You don't see, like, any of the extravagance you'd see in one of the wealthier noble houses normally. Rook looks between Brock and the villa and goes, This is... this is your house? Yeah, my room doesn't look like this. I wouldn't think so. As you approach the... the wrought iron gate that kind of leads from the street into the actual house proper... Basically, there's a doorman there to greet you, and he does immediately recognize Brock. So he doesn't even really kind of acknowledge Rook. He just turns to you, Brock, and says, Ah, Master Song, what brings you back here? I came to visit my brother. Is he in today? Uh, yes, he is. Come on in. I am sure you know the way. Is this individual with you? Uh, she is. Uh, she's my associate, Rook. I see. Very well. 
and he unlocks the gate and invites you in. Um, you don't, like, you know your way around, right? They don't need to give you an escort or guide you anywhere. This is your old house. So you're given free reign to the place. And while we're, like, when they let us in, I also ask, um, are mother and father here, or are they uh, elsewhere? Well, your mother is here. Your father is out at the moment. Maybe he had business with some of the other nobility. Brock B's a visible sigh of relief. Did Rook notice it? Did you say visible? Yep. Like, Brock is visibly relieved. Pop song is not present. Sick. Okay, I didn't hear. I knew it was a on the door. Okay. Rook's a little, um, she just kind of notes that. And Brock does. He makes his way over to the part of the estate that belongs to Love Song, his brother. So you don't run into, like, you run into servants that are going about their business. They all acknowledge you as you pass. They do the little, like, head bow thing. But you make your way up to your brother's room. Uh, he is currently lounging around. Looks like he has a set of polished armor with the symbol of tear engraved onto it. But aside from that, everything seems normal. As this is all your backstory, if you want to go ahead and describe it, go right ahead. Love Song, even though he was the younger brother, was always the favorite of Pop Song. He definitely takes on the same kind of conservative, staunchy, like, I live a minimalist lifestyle, even though I am wealthy kind of thing. So his room would be very much like a soldier's room of, like, a bed, uh, you know, just like the nightstand, just the armoire, nothing extra, just his things he needs. Mm-hmm. And Brock walks in, and he's probably, and uh, I'm not sure what you would walk in and find. Brock's like, Love, how are you? Uh, he glances up from what looks to be a small book of some sort, and there's visible surprise on his face. He says, Brock, what brings you here? I haven't heard from you in ages. I wish I could say I was just coming to visit, but I'm actually here in the uh, context of your of your work as a paladin of Tear. Can we speak with you? Of course. And he notices that you have a friend with you, so he does stand up, he clamps his right hand over his left side of his chest, and he bows his head forward. It's good to meet you. My name is Love Song. Uh, hi. I'm Rook. A pleasure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he kind of, he like, he definitely picks up immediately that you are not nobility. <laughs> What's the cause of this visit, Brock? What did you want to speak about? Uh, well... We just had an encounter, and the uh, a magister is already reporting in on what happened with... I'm sure you've heard of st the stories of Saren the traitor. Yes, I have. Well, uh, he informed us that he is planning to rob a noble family that is hoarding healing potions. I was wondering if you had a guess which family that might be. He kind of... you see his hand reach up, and he kind of clasps the sides of his temple, and he's like, There are a few that might be hoarding healing potions. I know that the nobility has never suffered from a lack of healing supplies, even though I am personally aware that the Temple of Tear has been short-supplied. I admit that I do not know who has the supply of healing potions with them right now. It is not us. Father may know, if you want to ask him. I'm not sure I'd recommend it. I'm not sure I'd recommend it either. Uh, you think Mother would know? She might. You see him clap twice, and a young butler... Pops headed. Yes, Lord Song. Could you bring my mother up here, please? Tell her it's her son's asking to see her. Uh, and the butler looks between both Song brothers like, Ah, yes, very good, sir. He shuffles out real quick. 
even if she doesn't know, she can at least speak to Father. That would be wonderful. Uh, I, I frankly, I'm lucky my friends and I made it out of the conflict with Saren alive. I managed to talk him out of causing any trouble, and I managed to convince him to spare the Magister's life. Uh, he, but I couldn't stand by knowing that he was going to commit an act of violence against the noble family. I had to try and do something. Although, truth be told, I think it'd be easier if the noble family wasn't hoarding the potions, but that's out of my hand. You know how it is, Brock. <sighs> Those of us with money don't always use it for charitable ends. So, you had a run-in with Saren, and from what I hear, you also had a very disastrous event with a meteor the other day. Yes, uh, my cafe is destroyed. It is being rebuilt. The guilds are paying for it to be rebuilt. But I'm currently between places of business and homes at the moment. <laughs> Thought about coming back here, but uh, I didn't want to admit to Father that I was on hard times. I do understand. You worked very hard to get out of this house. I imagine it would be a bit of pill to swallow to come back. Though you know we would take you. I do. You've been very supportive of this whole time. I know it hasn't been easy with the, how Father and I get along, but you've been you've actually been wonderful through all of this. Well, you make it very easy to be the favorite child. <laughs> and there's a glint in his eyes that you just... It's only there for, like, the briefest of seconds. But he's, he's giving you one of those brotherly just jabs. Kind of at this moment, the door opens and you see your mother walk in. Go ahead and describe. Swan Song is a fair, red-headed woman with green eyes. Even though the uh, male parts of the... Song household are very conservative and staunchy. She does have a reign of elegance about her. Uh, she's dressed in a fine gown. You know, she definitely like has like she even has like a tiara, and she walks very gracefully. You can actually tell the Brock's natural grace he probably got from her. Rook wouldn't say it out loud because she kind of feels it wouldn't be taken well, but she kind of sees like the elegance that her mom has, and it's kind of sweet to see. Lady Song enters the room immediately sees Brock, and then immediately sees Rook. And she does the kind of eyes down and then eyes back up, immediately sizing you up, and just wordlessly goes back to Brock. She says, Son, it's good to see you. It's good to see you as well, Mother. I I wish I could come and visit more, but uh, how, with how things are with Father and I, I, I really only came because it was something very important I had to speak with you and love about today. I, there's no explanation needed. So you have something important going on. What is it? So I have reason to believe that uh, a new gang in Waterdeep is getting ready to rob one of the noble houses, one they believe has been hoarding healing potions. Uh, Love's not sure which one, uh, but if we were hoping maybe you might know, or, or if you could talk to Father if he would know. Uh, that family's about to be targeted by a gang for a raid on their supplies, and we think if we can maybe convince the family to distribute the health potions, maybe they wouldn't be robbed, or maybe the city could do something to stop the attack before it happens. But we just, all we know is that a noble family is keeping the healing potions for themselves, and they have attracted the scorn of this gang. I see. Well, I have some suspicions. There are a few noble families associated with the City Watch, ours being one of them, of course, but others that abuse that position. Let me speak with your father and see if I can find anything else. If I hear anything, I will send word to you. 
Alright, and I can be reached. I'm currently staying at the Blackstaff Tower. I don't know if Love has told you what happened to my cafe. We've heard. Uh, we do keep tabs on you, obviously, even though we cannot be directly involved in your business. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that you can still keep an eye on me. Well, tell me about your friend. Uh, this is Rook. Uh, she's been helping me in the work to rebuild the cafe, and uh, she's one of uh, three other friends I have that have been quested with. Uh, and I, Brock looks at at Love, who referred to the, the uh, obelisk as Meteor. Uh, the Blackstaff knows this. I don't know how much other, like the guards or other nobility know, but the object that struck my cafe was an obelisk. It was actually a uh, a tablet of fate, and has quested me with rebuilding it along with my friends. And Rook is one of the friends that has been quested by this tablet of fate to fix it. Rook kind of, um, without really smiling or anything, just kind of lifts a hand up and gives a little wave. Uh, and Rook, you do see that Brock's mother was making her way to you, seemingly to take your hand as kind of just a greeting, but you waved, so she stops mid-stride and just sort of tilts her head back in a half-head nod to you. She says, well, your father will be gone for a while yet. Why don't you sit and have tea and discuss with us? Of course. Thank you, Mother. Uh, we are going to cut over to the other half of the party now. So, Epi, Nadir, and Armbar. What do you three do? Well, so, um, I was given an address, wasn't I, about where to find that guard and his friends? You were told where the uh, dead were being kept. Tower something something. I'm sorry, I actually don't have any idea what you're talking about right now. That may just be me. The uh, guard that Epi, like, saw Epi revive that dead guy was like, hey, come heal my friends. My yes. friends, my friends' yeah. bodies okay. are there. All that right. guy. Now I'm tracking. I apologize. Go ahead. Yeah, Gucci. Yes, you know exactly so, where that is. So Epi is going to kind of start walking in the general direction of where that that guy said to meet him up. And you can kind of see him formulating a plan, and he's just going to kind of turn and be like, Alright, Armbar, Nadir, here is the plan. Seeing as how the whole city has a whole lot of dead people, and there's one of me, to prevent me from getting trampled to death, I have a plan. So, I'm going to uh, put on a bit of a disguise. And, uh, I'm going to tell them that I'm just another one of the acolytes of the Raven Queen, sent at her behest to help with the whole dead friends thing. Just go along with it. Let's make the best of it, I guess. Maybe we can, maybe I can pretend to be like an Igor kind of monster with minibar and muck. Yes, yes, mister. Epi tries and fails to, to keep it together. That's a thing of beauty, and as much as I would love to see more of that. As long as you can punch anyone who gets a little too frisky with me, we'll call it good. Oh, I want you to say that in the first place. That's the Armbar 101. Armbar, you're a good friend to have. Oh, shucks. Now, Dieter, what all can you do? 
I can do pretty much anything simple. Um, I Once you revive people, I can heal them back up to, like, fully good. That's probably the best thing. Hmm. You know, I, I do like this idea, because I'll be honest, I, I can bring them back, but I'm not so great at putting them back together once they're back. They always look just a little bit shocked. And I just break them. They're fine, they're fine. They all go back together perfectly fine. And I haven't had any going backwards yet, so we're good. We're good. Alright. If we revive the wrong person, I'll freaking break them again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how I fix things. I just punch them until they work. Mini bar can help. <laughs> Mini bar is there for the halflings and gnomes of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I have to admit, it's been an excellent solution so far. Probably one of our more effective ones. How how big is Minibar, actually? He's like half the height of me. Yeah, Minibar is a size category down. So he is small sized instead of medium sized as a creature. Oh shit, I was thinking of him as like much smaller, like sitting on Armbar's shoulder, kind of. Like fake. Oh, I mean. So. Trying to think, like prepubescent child, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, still tiny, could definitely still sit on Armbar's shoulder in particular, but also, you know, Minibar is also ripped like Armbar is, so it's a very <laughs> buff child-sized individual. <laughs> Yeah, so like right. imagine that one kid that was like hit puberty first on their peewee football league that is minibar right yeah <laughs> yeah if it wouldn't take me a bit of time i've actually got i i know i know what this looks like <laughs> now if minibar took a potion of growth he would be exactly identical to you we do have those. I know. I just have thrown that out there so you have something to go by. It's just like a better a better version if, of Simulacrum. Take, kind of. Conversely, Armbar could take a potion of diminution and shrink down and be an exact copy of Minibar. Oh my god. Just food for thought for later. Carry on. Quit looking at Minibar like that. It ain't right. Never bother me or my son again. <laughs> Epi just kind of looks at looks at Armbar. All right, and um, with just a couple of incantations okay. muttered under his breath, and waves his hand around, and suddenly grows up a little bit taller, and you know, ears grow out a bit, horns go away, and just long black hair suddenly just looks like the most by-the-book elf you've ever seen. Same robes and attire, but definitely looks like an elf now. Actually, you were thinking too much about Nadir. You look like Nadir, but when they were 30. It's fine. It's fine. I could pass for the grandbaby. Yeah, you're Nadir's great, 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 great grandson. Yes. <laughs> Pulls the hood over, um... His face all the same. Alright. Let's see if we can pull this off without anybody losing their minds. I'm gonna make my way over to the thing. 
the deer and the arm bar, is there anything you two would like to do, or are you just walking? Yeah, I'm just following Epi. Just walking. Right. Holding on to muck. That's right. You do have a barrel of muck on your back, don't you? <laughs> yeah. That's totally fine. Is that going to be helpful? I want you to know, in my head, I was like, Divine Sense is off right now, and that's probably really good for you guys. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Sir, your barrel is demonic. Are you aware <laughs> of that? <laughs> Don't worry. It's for the grad students. <laughs> no, no, it's the un troubling smell that's going to get them caught. This is our <laughs> boss's son. That's worse. <laughs> That's so much worse. <laughs> you guys make it about three blocks. Then as you round a corner, I need Epi to make a dexterity saving throw. Oh boy. Here we go. Here we go. Ketchup dice. Okay. That's actually not terrible. That's a 16 plus a 1 for a whopping 17 to yeet. Without falling or stumbling or anything, you notice directly in front of you, a crossbow bolt just fires right in front of you and implants itself in the stone of the building to your left. This is fun. And as you look at the crossbow bolt, you see a little strip of paper wrapped around it. Okay. Is that slip of paper at all where I would be able to grab it without getting, you know, skewered? Oh yeah, it's right there. I'm gonna get that slip of paper. Written on it is an address, and at the end of the address, you see GL. Is it near where we're going? Oh no. It is way to the south, in the Docks District. Goldilocks. Oh, well that's probably not important. <laughs> <laughs> I think we may have to pay them a visit later. I, I'm. Can I take the crossbow bolt out of the building? Roll a strength check. Oh no, this is gonna be fun, but I'm doing it anyway. Epi gets a splinter, snapping an arrow off. Okay, so it got stuck sideways against the side of the thing, so I rolled it again, and that was a twenty. A natural twenty. Yep. Okay. Roll 2d100s. Let's see what you get. 10 and 41. Did we never roll Rook's wild magic for the natural 20 she rolled on oh, animal shit. handling? Did I not. didn't roll that. No. Nope. I didn't call for it. <laughs> oh, okay, so that was intentionally not called for. Okay. Huh? Alright. So we're gonna... We have... Because this is a fairly neutral situation, we're going to go with the more entertaining option, which is technically worse. Bring it. Oh, good. Bring it on. So, you just yank this crossbow bolt out of the wall, clinks to the ground, all of a sudden, you find rope just coiling up out of your pack, all around you, until you are Looney Tunes, like, wrapped up in rope. And you just sort of fall forward. <sighs> I, I knew it was too good to be true. I pulled it out in one pole. Armbar, would you be a deer and either pick me up or untie me? Huh? I guess I could help you out. Let's see if I can break this. Maybe mini bar helps. So, there's a lot <laughs> of rope. It's going to take, like, the better part of a minute. You're basically 
a yarn ball right now with your head sticking out of the top? <laughs> Maybe we can play yo-yo with you. Uh, Epi starts rolling down the hill away from you. <laughs> Actually, for that matter, Epi evens are odds. Oh, to evens. Start rolling down the hill, Epi. <laughs> <laughs> Armbar and Murny Bar start chasing after her. Or him. Okay. This is perfectly normal. Oh, God. About <laughs> every 15, 20 feet down the hill, the yarn ball rolls in such a way that you bonk your head and take a point of bludgeoning damage as you keep rolling down the hill. Oh, no. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to mold Earth to, like, make a flat space where she can come to a... Or where he can come to a stop. Or, or curved upwards a little bit. So you create a ramp to launch the ball in the air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Do it, do it. <laughs> well, you already said it, so... <laughs> well, so you do that pretty quickly. So it doesn't yeet you into the sky. Epi evens are odds. <laughs> odds. Shit. You hit that ramp and you get going upwards, and you just crest the top and then roll back down into the little uh, U-shaped area. And you have stopped rolling. Oh, thank God. <laughs> uh, well, it's like an Indiana Jones situation there. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, Nadir, give me a perception check. Alright. It is an eight. Wonderful. Well, okay, so you have no clue about the the crossbow bolt. You do notice that Epi's book is on the ground next to your feet. Oh. Uh, question, did Epi proc wild magic when they cast out yourself? Yes, actually. Oh, dang it. <laughs> I'm working on a rope, by the way. 98! Ooh. That's a really high one. If I get wish, that obelisk is going back together. Well, you don't get... <laughs> You don't get wish. I don't know what 98 does, though. So for about a minute, your hands are made of solid gold. Oh, that's gonna be fun. They still function normally. Whoa! You just have golden hands. Welcome to the club. Yeah. Yes. Are they as heavy as solid gold? Happy has to pass a strength check to keep them with their hands up. <laughs> In fairness, it doesn't matter. That was a nat 20 strength check anyway, so... <laughs> that's fair. Epi, remember when I said I had to have a retirement plan? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Epi starts kind of wringing their hands together. <laughs> I'm just saying, you'd be killing the golden goose that are a little bit. I make diamonds like crazy. <laughs> Don't I'm worry, I just joke. As you are in a yarn ball of rope. <laughs> so. Not to spin a yarn, but, uh, how am I going to get out of this? And absolutely none of you tell Brock about this. I'll never hear the end of it. Nadir pulls out a dagger and hands it to Armbar. Effie looks very frighteningly <laughs> at the dagger. Oh, stop. You'll be fine. Just gonna cut a little bit of an incision here. Remember, cut, here, cut away from him. <laughs> and yourself. I'm gonna let Minibar do it. Okay. <laughs> so, so it takes, like I said, it takes a minute. If you're using a dagger, it takes a minute to cut through enough rope to get Epi free. 
exactly. The deer, you do see Epi's book on the floor, on the ground, by your feet. If you want to pick it up and do stuff with it, otherwise... Is it open or closed? It is closed. Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna pick it up and take it over to him, and it's like, here, you drop this, because I'm respectful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. I would have... I'm a bit up a creek without a paddle if I don't have this. Yeah, you wizards are. Are you not a wizard? Uh, close enough. Are you a sorcerer? Yeah. <laughs> Some people are born with it. What can I say? That's a sorcerer too. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. He's a uh, wild magic sorcerer. He was not born with it. Right. <laughs> Alright, y'all. So, after a few minutes of cutting away rope, Epi, you are free of your wild magic rope. You notice, in that time, your gold hands have worn off as well. Oh, <laughs> I barely even got to use them. My retirement! Now, see, this is why you don't put a hand in the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta hand it to you, that was pretty good. I can be right. pretty handy if you ask me for it. Here, let me give you a hand. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Nadir regrets everything. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Where's man, the deer minibar? Man, those puns were golden. Four <laughs> 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 more gibbering mouthers spawn. <laughs> <laughs> As we deal four points of psychic damage to the DM. Justin also regrets everything. Well, that's going to be where we call it tonight. Uh, we will wrap up the guard station resurrection boogaloo that Epi has planned at the start of next session, and we'll go from there. Okay, you listen to Bar Rock Cafe. Get on to sassygamers.com and listen to more episodes. And become a patron. I'll read your cards. Do it. Patreon.com slash Bardrock Cafe. Till next time.